Long nights. People here, we've all had long nights, haven't we? Tossing and turning, up to use the bathroom more than once, seeing every hour on the clock, a brain that just won't turn off. I don't know if any of you have that problem, but I certainly do, and my husband has it even worse than I do. I tease him. I tell him the reason he can't sleep is because of menopause, uh, that, you know, men have menopause too, and it affects their sleep. It hasn't affected mine. I do just fine, but he's up many nights uh, because he's tossing and turning, thinking, rehashing all the conversation, uh, conversations that we have during the day, all the emails we read. Our minds can't get quiet. Our bodies can't rest. The nighttime can be the longest part of the day. Isn't that the truth? And Jacob is having one of those nights as we find him in the book of Genesis. And it's no wonder. It's very understandable why Jacob is struggling this night. He's traveling with not one wife, but two. Think about it, gentlemen. He also has two maids. That wouldn't be too bad. Eleven children. And God only knows how many camels, sheep, oxen, and other livestock. It is enough responsibility and stress to cause anyone a restless night, not to mention the fact that his destination is back to his childhood home. Yes, back to his childhood home after a very, very long time away. Anybody here ever get squeamish about going home for the holidays? Oh my goodness, I used to get so worked up about going home for Thanksgiving. I have uh, a very thin mother and a, very, a couple of very thin sisters, and I was the only one that worked outside the home, and so we were always looking a little bit thrown together at the last minute, and I was heavy, and I hated going home for the holidays. I mean, I loved it. I love my family. But all those feelings of inadequacy that come. Well, Jacob doesn't just have feelings of inadequacy. I mean, he's going home to his twin brother, Esau. And you might remember Esau and Jacob, the older twin. Esau is the older twin. And Jacob stole his inheritance, fooled him, tricked him into giving up his birthright. And that older brother then threatened Jacob's life. There's a whole cheating scandal around Jacob and Esau and their father that forced Jacob to go as far from home as possible. Now make no mistake about it, Jacob knows it is time to go home. God has told him it is time to go home. That doesn't mean he goes home without anxiety. Jacob is a wealthy man with all the attribute, attributes of success. Two wives, two maids, livestock, 11 children. He has a goodly heritage. Jacob is also a smart man. He remembers well what he did to his brother and his father. What he doesn't know is whether or not time has mellowed his brother and his father, or has it hardened their anger against him. 
See, no communication in those days. No texting, no emails, no pick up the phone and feel the water a little bit, dip your toes in just to see how this family reunion is going to go. Instead, Jacob is left wondering, will he be killed as Esau promised, or will he be allowed to utter an apology? Now, Jacob is shrewd, and so he sends some of his people out ahead of him to meet Esau and assess the situation. Unfortunately, the report that these people bring back is does not sound favorable. Let's just put it that way. Jacob instructs his servants to go meet Esau, tell Esau of Jacob's great wealth and success, and also tell Esau that Jacob intends to give this wealth to his brother Esau. Instead, the servants return with the report that Esau is waiting to meet Jacob with 400 men. It's far worse than even Jacob could have imagined. Jacob is understandably terrified now. He's got children, wives, animals, and servants, but he certainly does not have 400 men. And he immediately begins to analyze his next move. He decides to divide his party, his traveling party, into groups and send one group across at a time to meet Esau. Jacob's hope is that Esau will begin to understand that Jacob does indeed have everything he claims to have and that he does not mean any harm to Esau. In fact, that he comes in peace and in love. Hopefully, Esau's anger will be mellowed by great wealth and Jacob's offer to give everything he has gained to Esau. And if it doesn't, well, at least sending one group at a time will minimize Jacob's loss. I mean, if he kills the first group, at least Jacob can turn tail with the rest and go back to his home. Jacob turns to God in prayer. He prays a prayer of, of confession and a prayer of supplication. Jacob, who has lied and cheated and stolen from his own family, now turns to God, who has continued and still continues to guide him, love him, and be in relationship with him. I think that's an important point in this story and in most of our Old Testament stories, is that no matter who you are or what you may have done, God continues to guide us, to love us, to protect us, to want the best for us. Jacob admits his own unworthiness, and he begs the Lord to deliver him. And he also decides that this might be a good time to remind God that God started this whole trip back to the boyhood home in the first place. And by the way, don't forget that it was you, God, who said you wanted to do me good. Jacob gathers his servants and puts each one in charge of a group of she-goats, oxen, camels, and the like. And he instructs each servant in careful detail. As they approach Esau, they are to tell Esau 
that the herds are a gift from Jacob, who is ready now to serve Esau. The instructions are complete. The servants are sent on their way. Jacob's hope is that the servants and animals ahead of him will appease Esau so that by the time Jacob arrives, Esau will be ready to accept him, maybe even forgive him and welcome him. Later that evening, Jacob decides to send everybody away, wives and maids and children all across the ford of the Jabbok. He sends all that is precious to him, all that represents who he has become and what he has achieved in his years away from his father and his brother, from his ancestral home. And Jacob remains alone for the night. Free from the distraction of children, free from the comfort of wives, from the help of servants, from the noise of animals, Jacob is alone under the night sky, surrounded by quiet. Perhaps he is hoping to collect his thoughts. Perhaps he is hoping for a good night's rest that will allow him to have the strength he needs for meeting Esau the next day. Jacob doesn't get any of those things, though. What Jacob gets is a night of struggle with an unnamed stranger. All night long, Jacob wrestles with the stranger. All night long, Jacob struggles with a presence that he cannot name and that will not name himself. Now, when you are already troubled and lonely and afraid, nighttime can be a terrible, terrible time. I worked in a retirement community for about eight years, and I learned the term sundown syndrome. Some of you may well be familiar with that term. It happens particularly to people that are experiencing dementia, but if you're a family with young children, I would suggest that sundown syndrome happens in your home on a fairly regular basis. Now, for those that are older, uh, sundown, sundown brings on additional anxiety and agitation, People who live alone may get more nervous, more worried, feel anxious, unable to settle. People who are already experiencing memory issues may be asking repeatedly to go home. I had a woman where I worked who would uh, roll around in her wheelchair feverishly, telling me that she had to find her husband. And other days, she had to find her mother and father. She was sure. Nobody knew where she was. Now, as I already said, we all experience sundown syndrome to some extent. Have you ever noticed that if you're not feeling well, five, six o'clock in the evening, you start to feel worse? That is the time of day when fussy babies get fussier. When moms who have had endless patience all day long suddenly are ready to break or break someone. When children past the acceptable stage of whining begin to whine again, 
It is the time of day when we know that if we sit down for too long, we're going to fall asleep, even right in the middle of jeopardy. It's the time when the thought of putting a meal together feels positively overwhelming. It is in the quiet and darkness, often of our bedroom, that our worries begin to overwhelm us, no matter what our age. When my children were younger, it was in the darkness of their bedrooms at bedtime when we would have the most meaningful conversations and when we would also share our worry or our anxiety. I can remember many a sleepless night as a teenager agonizing over a boy or an algebra test. I'm sure that I don't have to tell any of you who take care of young children the number of nights that you get up out of a warm bed, pad down the hall in, the, in response to that call, Mommy, Mommy. We've all been there. Maybe some of you were there last night. Jacob was there that night on the bank of the Jabbok River. Jacob struggled with a nameless stranger until dawn. He wrestled, we are told. Perhaps it was God with whom he was wrestling. Perhaps it was Esau. Perhaps it was his own conscience. Perhaps it was all those things twisted together. For all of our lives are filled with one issue that gets knotted in with another issue until things are so entwined we can't make sense. As the sun rose, it looked like Jacob had won the struggle. The stranger asks to be released, and Jacob refuses to release the stranger without a blessing. Now, before Jacob receives the blessing, the stranger does two things. He knocks his hip out of joint, and he gives him a new name, Israel. Think about that, Israel, the power of that name. Jacob, the conniving, cheating, stealing, two-timing Jacob, will carry the name of the chosen people of God, Israel. And when Jacob receives his new name, he asks the name of the stranger. But instead of receiving the name of the stranger, he receives the blessing of the stranger. And in that moment of blessing, Jacob recognizes his own flawed and sinful self. He also recognizes the holy presence of God. There isn't one of us in this room who hasn't struggled. Some of us struggle night and day. We struggle with money. We struggle with our children, even when they are adults. We struggle with moral issues and political choices. We struggle with addictive behaviors, alcohol, drugs, gambling, food, work. We struggle with important and significant decisions like whether what we are, how we are going to manage our money 
or when it's going to be time to move out of the home in which we have lived for most of our lives, or what school we're going to send our children to, or whether or not it's finally time to change jobs. Some of us struggle for survival, fighting against chronic pain, cancer, depression, anxiety. We struggle to find a balance between family and work. For many of us, the struggle gets worse when we are alone and the darkness comes. And this is the situation that Jacob is in. But Jacob stayed in the struggle. He refused to give up. He struggled until he gained a new identity and a new blessing. He struggled until God transformed him. He struggled until he recognized and owned himself, until he also recognized God and God's ownership of him. And in the struggle, Jacob came to understand that God is never over and against us, but always with us and for us. In the struggle, Jacob came to realize that God took him for who he was and met him where he was. Called as God's children and, and held in God's present doesn't get presence does not guarantee us a life without struggle. Oh, I wish it were so. And you can find a preacher on TV that might tell you it is so, but I'm not going to tell you that. But struggling does not mean that our faith is weak or that our God has forsaken us. It is in the struggle that we are refined by the refiner's fire. We are made more fully the self that God desires for us to be, our true self. And it is in the struggle that we meet God, that we know the presence of God. It is in the struggle that we can come best to know God's hopes and plans for us. And it is in the struggle that we are blessed, once and for all, blessed. All of our churches are struggling these days. Low attendance and lack of money are the primary issues of struggle, but there are a lot of struggles in a lot of churches. Searching for new pastors, wondering what the key is to bring back people to fill our pews. And here, you are eagerly anticipating the arrival of Pastor Dan. And I would venture to guess that some of you think that Pastor Dan might finally be the one who can turn you into a completely new place, new community. I hope you welcome your pastor with open arms and open hearts. And just a helpful hint, this week while they're moving in, if you haven't already considered it, you might offer a DoorDash coupon so they can get some food ordered and brought to them. And I also hope, as you welcome Pastor Dan, that you realize that the struggle isn't over. 
It's so nice to take a deep breath and a big sigh of relief when a new pastor finally arrives. But in reality, the work is just beginning. Together, you will continue to struggle because one person does not have all the answers to fixing the church or making it vibrant or alive. That is work in which you all engage. Even as you struggle together with a new leader, remember that in Jacob's long night of struggle, there was no winner and there was no loser. That is hard for us in our culture to remember. There isn't always a winner and a loser. There was Jacob with God and there was God with Jacob. Jacob left the struggle with a new name, ready to embrace new opportunities. He still had to cross the river and face his brother Esau. And he also now had a limp, a limp that would be with him the rest of his life, a limp that would forever remind him of the God who was always ready to meet him in the midst of the struggle. And so it is with us as we limp through life. We are reminded that there is one who meets us where we are and takes us where we want to go, where we need to go. There is one who fills our lives with grace and good purpose, even as we struggle. And God is always with us in the struggle, struggling with us to bring about God's best hopes and dreams to bring about God's kingdom right here and right now. Thanks be to God for the struggle. It makes us who and what we are. Amen.